This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome in. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White, here today with Wilts Contreras, information technology expert at New Core Steel and IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. Good morning, fellas. How are you, Wilts? Long time no see. Man, yeah, it's been quite a while. You had me, uh, I, was, I was out of town. I mean, literally, you know, I, I was saying the last 15 minute of the ride into the cabin we were staying at over in Texas, there was absolutely no cell signal. I mean, I'm talking about I was totally disconnected from the world. And what was the name of the town you stayed in in Texas? Uncertain, Texas. It was Un- on Lake Cato. Why, why would anyone live in Uncertain? Well, I'm uncertain. I don't really know why right. I would. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was really, uh, it, it was a good getaway. Jeremy, good morning to you. How are things down in the Hub City? Uh, good morning. Things are doing great down here. All right. Working on a, uh, a little project from the past. Uh, I've been digitizing some VHSs, and uh, yesterday I was rewinding one of them, and uh, the actual tape inside of it broke. Ooh. So I had to figure out how to repair that. Um, <laughs> actually, it, it harkened back to my days as a projectionist in the movie theater. Uh, so once I opened it up and I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, there's nothing to this. A little, you know, figuring out some mechanical things inside of it and getting some springs to go back where they popped out of but uh overall it was uh it was a success but uh it's funny because once i got the video repaired it says like you know bob's first birthday or whatever um <laughs> but when you when i put it in it was uh the world cup ah. and um a bunch of episodes of days of our lives <laughs> and uh daytime tv Ooh. the entire two-hour video and I had to sit there and fast forward through it and make sure there wasn't any home video on it. And there was some, somebody recorded it. Somebody is in trouble like 20 years ago, 30 years like ago. Like super trouble. Oh, yeah, big time. Yes. Ah, heck with like, the first birthday. We're going we right. to get, we get uh, you know, what's going on on Days of Our Lives here. Right. With Stefano. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, we have to see if Stefano is back. Yeah. Mercenary John. Anyway. Uh, if, <laughs> Sorry, I just dorked out right there. I used to work at the uh, NBC affiliate in the Jackson market, and I worked overnights. And so the Days of Our Lives show used to feed down from the network at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m., something oh. like that. Oh. And I was the guy that had to record it. It's all digital now, and they don't have to worry about that. But back in those days, back in the 1900s, I actually had to put a tape into a deck and record that for the guy to be able to put it in for later in the afternoon. So that's pretty cool. Before in the days of Internet, um, I guess, infancy, I could have sold secrets to days of our lives hours in advance. If only I could have found a way to make a market out of that. You would have known what's going on with Marlena and Patch and all that stuff. The whole thing. Yeah. Man, you see, you, you've been there. Well, that's what's known. My mom used to record it every day. So in the <laughs> evening, whenever we'd all be sitting around eating dinner, she would watch it. So it was kind of like me and my dad were kind of like, okay, so you, yeah, you end up getting wrapped up into it. It's like, okay, I got to know what happens the next time. Now, it's kind of like, you know. You do. You get sucked in. Oh, it's yeah. like pro wrestling. Yeah. No, you know. Without a ring, basically. And I don't know. Pro wrestling. I mean, I, I watch that every Monday. I'm not really into the Tuesday one. I got the Monday one down. I'm more of a Raw fan instead of a SmackDown. But yeah, you know, hey. it's it's a lot. I mean, like when I was when I was in my twenties and didn't have like responsibility or anything, I could watch it and keep up with it. But now, I mean, the shows are like three hours long. Yeah. Oh and yeah. I, Monday I, I night mean, is like, seven to ten. Yeah. 
I got I, there's 19 projects I have to do something with during the three hours, so I have to watch like highlight videos. Oh yeah, well I mean, it's the best way to do it actually because you get to save your Monday and Tuesday nights. Anyway, Jeremy, let me ask you real fast. Actually, Java's on Java. Java's he's creeping he's in toward the mic. Well, I was just going to add in my uh, WWE Pro Wrestling. You know, it was uh, three hours, right, from 7 to 10. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when I was younger, we had to turn the TV off at 8 o'clock. So I would, oh, I would, I would no. miss all the best parts. Yeah. Oh, you just get an hour of setup, <laughs> basically, setup, right? Nothing but setup. And I then, mean, that's when know. the Four Horsemen would come out. I mean, you, know, you got Ric Flair is going to be bouncing around the But, you the know, uh, when you talk about pro wrestling, the promos are really like the best, you know, the yeah. best part. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But I'm sorry, the guys back then, the guys today, I mean, there's there's a couple of good ones. I mean, it's really hard to argue. I mean, The Rock is awesome, but it's not nearly like it was back in the day. Yeah, the promos aren't, in my opinion, they're so not like nearly the 80s? as good. Oh, man, yeah. When you had, like, you know, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, those guys, oh, yeah. I mean, they, they oh, sold yeah. cocaine. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that'll do it. That'll yeah. make a star out of anybody. Uh, so, Jeremy, let me ask, by the way, um, I found this out yesterday because marketing. WWE has a show at the Mississippi Coliseum next Saturday night. Yeah, gonna be some pretty and, big stars. Uh, there's there's there. tons of tickets left, by the way. Ooh, zoinks. Jeremy, let me swing back into what you were just talking about a minute ago. How if 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 the VCR cassette, if the if the tape inside of it breaks, how do you go about putting that back together? So um, you just tape it? Have, no, uh, well, kind of. Yes. Uh, first, you have to take all the screws out of the uh, the casing of the tape itself, and then it just kind of folds over. And uh, you want to make sure you're keeping a, a, an eye on which way your spindles are, because otherwise you'll throw them out on the table, and then you'll have a bunch of springs. Oh my goodness! Stuff. Yes, spare um, parts. Yeah. So um, once you get it open, though, it's just it's just two reels that run across a a little system that allows it to feed safely over into the other reel without uh, scratching the tape or anything. So I just took some double-sided tape and stuck it to the leader of the film itself and then wrapped that around the inner spool. And then it has um, has little clicking mechanisms in it to keep the spindles from going backwards. So you can uh, tighten the tape in there, uh, make sure it's taut, and you can twist those spindles and they'll, they'll click so you'll know that you've got, you've got the alignment and everything right. And then you just close it back up. And remember to be kind and rewind. <laughs> Always. And those, those automatic rewinders that they would sell for a while, oh, man, I mean, yeah. those things would tear tapes apart because you got like a, a 747 jet engine inside of this little thing. And, just and you're rewinding a six and a half hour so, movie in like 20 seconds. It's you know. funny because I was thinking about this. Pro- I was taking a walk yesterday as I was working on this and I was like, okay, so VHSs, that was, a, that was an interesting medium. How... How did the tape deck keep from ripping that tiny little piece of tape? Like, I guess, you know, I, I guess it was just tensile enough that it didn't rip it. I was like, I've never had that happen before. That's that's interesting. I've never even thought about that. And then I come right back here and rewind the tape and it breaks. I was like, wow. <laughs> I that on myself. Well, probably age is getting it a little bit now. And yes, I have to admit, yes. I've actually still got a couple of VHS player slash recorders in my garage. Just because, as my wife would say, I don't really throw anything away. One day I might need I'm, it. I'm much more hesitant to rewind the videos now. But you got to. You're kind of making me like flashback to when we had cassette tapes and me having to stick a pencil in the cassette just to try to rewind it. Like if it got like, you know, I wound was just, out. Or, you, you, man, you led me right in. I, I see the thing on Facebook all the time where it's like, if you don't know what this means and it's a cassette tape and a pencil, 
that you're not so many years old or something like that. And I'm always like, yeah, I know what it means. Yeah. Thanks. I already I know knew all I was, too well. Yeah. Thanks. I, I already knew you didn't have to tell me Facebook. All right. So um, before we head to our first break, what is it? Uh, let's start with you, Jeremy. What's uh, what's kind of on your radar this week that you've been looking at or is interesting to you? Well, um, I just recently read something about the uh, the new uh, Note 10 that Samsung's going to be putting out in August. You know, I'm a big Samsung Note fan. Um, they are supposedly going to be doing away with traditional speakers, and they're going to be using a newer technology called Sound on Display. Um, it's basically like a speaker that's embedded in the screen somehow. Wow. It's a, it's a vibrating screen. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this works. Um, I, so far, the reviews say that it works better for phone calls than for music, but that's um, another uh, device that they're talking about, the LG G8, which already has this feature. Uh, so I'm sincerely hoping that if it's going to be on a Note 10, it's going to have some pretty stout sound because that's a... It's a really, it's a that's a very important device. It's a very powerful device, so it shouldn't have anything weak like that. Because I, I've got the Note Nine, and you know it's got traditional speakers, and they sound great. So that's interesting. So is this uh, in the is this the ever existing chase for more to free up more space inside of the phones, or to 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 make the technology even more as streamlined as can possibly be? Right, yeah, more streamlined and more integrated because you know we've we've watched the uh, the fingerprint scanner actually become part of the display. Like there's no separate component for it anymore. You just put your finger down on the screen right there where you read text and stuff, and it scans your finger. So now if we're integrating speakers into that display as well, this kind of sort of I mean when when the batteries come along with it, um, smaller, thinner lighter phones it's also going to make uh potential repairs much more expensive those screens are going to become more uh, costly I would, yeah. I would think if they're going to have yes. so many more features inside of them yes um but again uh, not necessarily a bad thing because if it, you know if, if it's an original factory part then all of the components integrated uh, you know once you put it in and you attach the ribbon cables, that's it. You don't have to go and check the alignment of any sensors. You don't have to make sure that something isn't fully, uh, like the ribbon cable isn't fully attached to the board inside the phone. Like There's there's a lot of ways that this could be a good thing, as well as kind of a, a double-edged sword repair, so to speak, because it will definitely increase the cost of that replacement part. It sounds so outside of the box, uh, that it, w- it would almost be difficult to get used to. But I know, you know, when I bought, uh, I had been an iPhone user for the longest time. When I bought a Samsung Galaxy, I jumped in with the uh, 7. And the first time I was like, oh, man, this doesn't have a button. This is all wrong. This is everything in the world that is wrong. This phone doesn't have a button. And now I, and it's like when there are phones with buttons, I feel out of place now. I'm so used right. to, you know, and it's just, it works and it's, it's easy to kind of get adjusted to once you kind of commit yourself to it. But it no, sounds was, like something was, you might have to kind of adjust to quickly, but afterward it would probably be something that's pretty streamlined. 
Well, I was I was really nervous at first when they were integrating displays that didn't have buttons. I was like, wait a minute, Android's not ready for this. I, I've had my own phone <laughs> freeze up to where I couldn't even use the buttons I had. I had to, you know, it, go in and pull the battery on the phone or whatever. So how could this be a good thing, you know? But I've watched the uh, the buttonless interface, at least for navigation of the phone, work very, very well. Um, but they have been talking about buttonless designs for the entire phone, like no power button, just like a touch-sensitive area of the phone where you execute that function. But they have backpedaled on some of that because the technology's not quite there yet. It's not, it's not reliable enough for them. So we're not totally buttonless yet, but it is seeming to go that way. Well, I'll tell you this. Whoever... Whoever decided and greenlighted and built and thought up and schemed that Bixby button on uh, Samsung phones, the newer ones, the newer Galaxy phones, that person needs to be locked in a house made of Allen wrenches and given no way to get out. Or, or maybe just one of those little L-shaped Allen wrenches that comes in those uh, plyboard things that you buy at Walmart that are worth about $20. That should be app out there for you, Jay, uh, the Bixby button remapper, I where have. you can use it to open whatever you want, because I, I had to do the same thing, man. I, I Like, I tried Bixby. Bixby's not Siri, and Bixby's not Google. Bixby is Bixby. It's funny. I, I, I've tried a couple of different ones of those, but it seems like Bixby, after a while, wants to fight back, and then, uh-huh. like, the, maybe, maybe I'm not setting it up correctly. That's probably what it is. Not maybe, it's probably. But they seem to, like, fight each other after a while. They fight for control of whenever I hit the button. It's like, and I never hit it on purpose. I always hit it by accident. And, mm-hmm. and like, right. both, both of them are like, hey, hey, you call? What's up? What's up? What you can know, I do for you? I'm here. Uh, so, yeah, that's just <laughs> that in the edge uh, feature, which is really cool. But I've, I have never been able to figure out a way to incorporate that in the way that I typically use my phone, if that makes any sense. So for me, the, the edge, edge screen is great for screenshots. Um, it, you know, it's it's more difficult to reach across your phone, you know, two hands to, to hit the two buttons. So when you swipe the edge screen out, you can set it up to do the smart select, and then you can, you know, you can capture, capture screen grabs and all that with it. That is literally the only function I use for it. There's other stuff, you know, like, oh, you can see what's on your clipboard and so forth. But it's just it's too cumbersome to, to switch through that all those menus and stuff. But for screenshots, I do find that useful. I actually in the the app that I had to remap my Bixby button, I set it to to take screenshots one one button oh. push screenshots, and uh, it's really cool and practical. But there's a law of diminishing returns there because uh, you put, pick your phone out and you got pictures of your pocket, the inside of your pocket, and the tops of trees, and the sky today, and the, the carpet at the store you were at, and everything else, and random, you know, random screenshots of, you know, your background, and well, you know, one, everything One other thing else. you can do to, to kind of uh, dissuade uh, Bixby is, is to actually not agree to its terms. Because ah. every time you accidentally hit that button, it'll just go, oh, well, you haven't agreed to Bixby's terms. You got to you got to agree to all this before we can let you use it so you can just back out of it. The the thing that, that annoys me the most, and we're so far off topic now, the thing yeah. that annoys me the most about any of the Android phones that I've had is that when you try to turn the volume up all the way, you get about three-quarters of the way, and it gives you <laughs> a pop-up box with a warning that, hey, now, listening to anything yeah. – 
for listening to anything at high volume exposure for an extended period of time could damage your hearing. Are you cool with that? And yes, I always am. If there was a way, just tell it all the time, dear Lord in heaven, yes. that I could bypass that warning box. Yeah. That would be the greatest fix of all time. All right. Well, well just I thought. think that has to do with legalities. Right. I think yeah. that's got to do with getting sued. My iPhone doesn't do that to me, and I can turn off Siri. So just saying. <laughs> just saying. I, A p- point. Siri, Siri doesn't bother me at all. I, I don't like it. So point for me. Apple. Point. <laughs> point for Apple. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. When we come back, Wiltz is going to talk to us about um, an interesting situation with your smart television, might you need to uh, uh, protect your smart television from viruses and such things as that? We will talk about that when we come back. Our overarching uh, subject today is cord cutting. Haven't dug into it yet, but we would love to hear from you about this. How have you cut the cord with television? Have you cut the cord? You're still watching the same old cable television as you have before? Are you using your internet to watch TV? Are you just getting all your entertainment from YouTube? Call us up with your questions and general comments or questions or problems that you have. 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Everyday Tech will be back on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show... Dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email everydaytech at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back, Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Thank you so much for listening on this Wednesday morning. You can call us with any of your tech questions, problems, solutions, experiences, whatever it is that you got going on in your tech world you want to share with us, we would love to talk to you about that. one mpb ring is the number, one 672 7464 Wiltz, um, you sit, uh, sent along a story a little bit earlier in the week uh, warning consumers that they may not be safe from, uh, you know, whatever it is out there in the world that that can pass along viruses or whatnot with your smart television. Oh, no, not a new way these things can get into my home. Well, exactly. And, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. Samsung earlier came out with a recommendation for, you know, users of their uh, TVs to actually go in on the smart devices and actually run a weekly or occasional virus scan. And it's kind of got a lot of people kind of stirred up, and they're saying, okay, uh, you know, what's the deal behind this? And and the really interesting thing is shortly after they posted that, they actually pulled the the notice down. Uh Uh-oh. So, you know, well, you know, and and to me what was kind of interesting about that is it really just, it it sparks the uh, the conversation, I think. We got to think all these little smart devices, these smart TVs, these doorbells and everything else, um, they're miniature computers. And the potential of them being just as exposed as our desktop computers or, or even our phones, for that matter, to, uh, to malicious attempts, I mean, it's out there. Not that they know of anything actively going after that. Uh, a lot of the reports that I was reading, they said, you know, more than likely if a TV or something like that was going to actually be attacked, 
um, it's going to more than likely be what we call a zero day. It'd be something that somebody wouldn't know about, and all of a sudden it's just there. Um, but it does kind of make you start really thinking, are you keeping these things up to date? I mean, I know like uh, we use Roku at the house, mm-hmm. and Roku's got an updating feature, so it constantly updates. And, and you know, a lot of times, y'all, what those updates are really for are to protect against security vulnerabilities or, you know, functional problems, bugs they've basically found into there. But are we doing the same thing with all of our other devices? What does updating look like for a TV? What yeah. does updating look like for a thermostat? Um, That's interesting. Know, yeah. I mean, there are so many things that are now computerized. What does updating look like for your refrigerator? Yeah. You know, um, we're getting more and more of these the Internet of things. And I thought, you know, even just beyond just Samsung even bringing that out. Um, and they're catching a little bit of flack for it. But, I mean, I, th- I still think it's a, it's a really good point to bring up and to be thinking about and to remind folks also things update <laughs> for a reason. catching flack for it? It's like... Oh, they're catching well, a lot I mean, of people. We could well, not warn TV's. you, and you could just, you know, catch this stuff on your own. Well, a lot of folks are kicking back on them. It's like, oh, well, you know, if this is so important, just automate it. Don't make you. Because it's, it's really kind of, it's multiple. It takes longer to get to the scan button mm-hmm. than it does for it to actually scan. And so there, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of people are coming back saying, okay, if there's a problem with your software, why don't you just go ahead and fix it? And, blah. yeah, it's, it's, it's the typical. You know, put anything out on the internet, and somebody's going to argue against it. Oh, certainly. So that's what the so, internet's for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when when we're talking about protecting ourselves from something like this, uh, and we're not having our phone or our, our television on the internet, uh, it's it's pretty easy to to prevent this from happening. Uh, that's that's what I would do. I'm I'm all about keeping the TV off of the internet and having the set top box, which does connect, because it doesn't have a lot of uh, ability to be hacked like that, not not remotely, anyways. It's it's a lot safer. Like Will said, it's updated a lot more frequently. So I would trust the box over the TV any day. You know, I've I've always been sort of fascinated by the you know the the smarter and smarter that televisions get. Are we going to have? I, I guess you would call it an operating system to a certain extent. It's more like a I guess a, a UI on a television like, that acts a more clunky interface. Yes, they are. It's they're they all really are. pretty. Clunky. That's the word for it. They're clunky, and it to me. I mean, I've almost wanted to embrace the UI on a smart television, but it's almost prohibitive if you're used to you know engaging the internet via computer or video game system or console anything like that and then you try to do it with a TV it's slow and it's clunky and the design is all out of whack and it all to me i mean even a guy wanting to embrace it it was always the 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 ineffectiveness of it precluded me even using it oh yeah i mean like our, on our smart tv it it doesn't even come close to the ease of using for example our roku yeah you know it's it's a little add-on little device but the interface you know that's what a lot of this stuff comes down to is what is usable, and that's why I think we'll see some stuff hopefully change on that. But, I mean, I don't think you're going to see Roku or uh, Fire Sticks or, or Apple TV go away anytime soon because they've kind of tuned in on the we need to make this easy for the masses. Yeah, absolutely. The, but, I mean, it does the open thing us up. About the TV is that when you turn it on and it's like, hey, I've got an update I've got to set up, I don't know about y'all, but I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't turn on my TV to install an update. I turned on my TV to watch TV, and now I have to wait on an update. Come on, 
should have done this while it was off. I mean, it's always on anyways. I mean, it's how did it download power. this update? By osmosis? No doubt. Obviously, it was there, so no why doubt. didn't it just load it while it was on? Yeah, and that's where, a lot of the, that's where a lot of the flack is also coming from. It's like, okay, why don't you just automate this? And I, th- I, think, that's, I think that's a very valid point um, because, for example, I'll go back, back to the Roku again. I never go in and actively tell my Roku to update. I don't think I've ever actually seen the screen come up that says, hey, you need to run an update. But I do know that I've went in there just out of curiosity, looked at the update, you know, um, area. Yeah. And it says, okay, last checked at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. Everything's good. It's just doing it. I mean, I think that we've kind of really gotten to that point with tech. I mean, we really kind of expect, and I, and I think rightfully so, expect it. Just just update. If you, if you need to bother me, if I need to do something, fine. But other than that, just just take care of it. Just yeah. go ahead and do it. I think Chromecast, too, I think you see them. I mean, they'll... They'll, I mean, number they have to have power, obviously. Right. Um, and if they have power, they're mm-hmm. running, depending on whether or not you're on that that source or not. But uh, I mean, I've seen the Chromecast reset itself a handful of times and do an update yeah. with a reboot and things like that. But it's always when you're not engaging with it or something like that. So uh, that's that's pretty interesting. If you want to call us up with your uh, tech questions, problems, uh, solutions, stories today, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 Wilts mentioned uh, Roku. We'll ask him a little bit more about that in a minute. Jeremy, how do you get your TV, man? How do you watch, how do you watch uh, TV? I have a uh, Fire TV Cube, and I like that because, you know, I can be like, hey, Alexa, turn on my TV, and she'll do it. <laughs> Pretty nice, but um, yeah, I mostly use uh the the cube. Oh, she's turning on the TV for me. Um, can you candy she, uh, for you? Uh, she she's good, man. She's really reliable. Um, I mostly use uh between Netflix and Hulu, and then I also have an app called Cody, which allows ah, me yeah. to stream uh downloaded content, not not stream it, but but from like a network hard drive that I have, where I have a bunch of old movies and stuff that I've got downloaded. And I, I do a lot with that because sometimes, you know, uh, your cloud connection services don't work very well. Your Internet goes out and you still want to watch TV. I've always got that as a backup. Um, that has worked very well for me for the last several years, and I don't see that setup going anywhere outside of the Android ecosystem because the way Cody works is so free and so easy. The only issue I have is that my own Fire TV via updates automatically always trying to deprioritize Cody because they don't want you to use it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's interesting. K-O-D-I is how that's spelled, correct? If somebody yes. wants to uh, do yes. a, a deep dive on the internet about that. All right, uh, let's uh, start here on the phones. And if uh, some of the uh, cord cutting services that are out there, some of the more popular ones um, that you um, actually have to subscribe to, we got Sling TV, uh, Hulu, uh, which is a streaming service, but also now has integrated live television uh, with some tiers that they've introduced in the last six months or so. They have a sports situation that I think they're adding on currently. Uh, PlayStation View, which I know for a lot of people who are uh, uh, PS4 heads, that's pretty cool. You can get your TV on the same place that you're playing your games. Uh, DirecTV has um, has offered a service for a couple of years now where you can kind of get the functionality of DirecTV, which is pretty good. Um, it's it's one of the better, I guess you would call it, user interfaces, uh, which is one of the things that I think helps it to maintain its spot in the battle for people's eyes is the 
the user interface with DirecTV. Um, it has a, a service that's that's allowing people to use that user interface in more of a streaming type of setting as opposed to watching on your television and hoping it doesn't rain. Uh, YouTube TV is another one. That's the one that I subscribe to, and it's the one that I stopped on because of its similarity to an actual like cable box in how you operate it. I was a sling guy for a while, and the user interface of that was just kind of counterintuitive and uh, enough so that it kept me on the search. And then when I got to YouTube TV, that's where I stopped. And there's there might be other ones better, but I haven't had a reason to stop using YouTube TV. That's a personal unpaid endorsement, but you can do it however you want. Well, you know, my uh, my son's girlfriend's parents, me and him were talking about that at one point. They use the uh, YouTube TV. And quite honestly, I've been kind of curious. I may need to dig into that a little bit more. I've been... Um, I'm one of those. I still have DirecTV running in the house. I'm, yeah. I'm like on the verge of I really want to cut the cable, but I'm really, you know, my big question that still comes up, DVR. I'm a big DVR user. That was oh, one of the biggest like reasons. That. That's one of the biggest reasons I moved off of Sling TV because I could not, and I would like to think I'm not dumb about these types of things, but I could not find a straight answer about how you could you DVR'd. Uh, with Sling, at least at the time. It might right. be much more simple now. Uh, but with YouTube TV, it was one of its lead features out of the block. And it's very easy to see. It's very easy to do. Um, and uh, no it's, limits. Right. And it's it's the only thing is there's no limit to it. But after a while, some of your older stuff cycles off unless you tell them that you don't want it to, which is fine because most right. of the stuff records you know, and then, you know, you forget to watch it or something like that. But the direct TV, and this is not, I mean, I just, again, mentioned how nice the, the UI is for direct TV and how mm-hmm. much I enjoyed that over the years. Um, direct TV for me was cost prohibitive versus the amount of TV I watch. I'm not trying to say it's too expensive for everybody, because if you love TV, it, it, it can be worth it for you because they offer so much. But for the amount of television that my wife and I watch and the fact that my kids had become more and more connected to YouTube as opposed mm-hmm. to watching actual television stations, um, we drop in like $160, $180 a month, and it just we're, we weren't watching anything close to that much television. So we had to find a way to get off of that somehow or another. And see, that's the crossroads that we're at right now. I mean, you know, my, my son's about to go off to college um, hotty toddy, by the way. And, um, <laughs> oh, goodness. And, you know, my daughter's about to be in, you know, 11th grade. She's got a whole bunch of things, other things that are going on. So, you know, it's mostly just me and my wife on there. And same thing. We're, I don't know if we're really using it to the, to the, uh, extent that we're paying for it, if that makes right. sense. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but again, that, that DVR part, because what I, what I will do is like, you know, for example, last night we, we were out of town all last week. So, you know, we've been actually catching up on the shows that we missed while we were out of town. Um, yep. So, yeah, I'm kind of a DVR addict. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you got me kind of wanting to check out this YouTube TV then. You know? I, it, it, to, for me, it's worth it. Again, I'm not trying to yeah. you know, make a decision for anybody else. Let's go uh, to the phones. If you want to call us, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven. 672-7464. I didn't mention all of the streaming streaming services. If you have some others that you've connected to that you enjoy, we certainly would love to hear about that. We'll start with Jack in Hancock County. Jack, good morning. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm uh, very interested in your topic. I, uh, I am a subscriber to DirecTV. I'm really disappointed with it. it uh, I, I don't understand the user interface and 
maybe I just need to call them and get them to explain it to me. But uh, I, I also find myself spending a lot more for television uh, services than I do than I actually watch it or find things that I enjoy watching. And so I, I want to explore other things, but I don't know what I need um, in my house to, to receive all of these. I don't have a computer, and um, I'm pretty functionally illiterate when it comes to one. Um, any suggestions? Well, the the first first and foremost, for a lot of these cord cutting options, you are going to need um, a reliable, generally high speed internet access. Uh, something something definitely beyond the DSL levels uh, that we're seeing in some areas. So you're going to need some type of high you know high speed, be it from you know the cable company or from the phone you know from AT and T or some, someone like that. That's going to be first and foremost. Without that, a lot of the cord cutting options don't really work. Okay. Jeremy? Uh, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Depending on your Internet connection, your options are kind of limited uh, as to what you can get. Um, you need, I would say, at least 10 to 15 megabits uh, download speed from your provider in order to get a decent streaming experience. Um, in order for yeah. those things to work uh, seamlessly, I guess, is the word? Yes, sir. Hello. Yes. yes, sir. And then yes, the sir. other thing is, is that if 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 there are not a bunch of kids using cell phones and stuff around your house, then it's not going to pull on. Um, it's it's not going to, I guess, kind of squash out the bandwidth that you're using. Like I know it happens in my house when seventy two things are being streamed mm-hmm. in seventy five places at one time. Uh, so that would be something that you wouldn't have to worry about. But for for something uh, like. Um, you know, a, a streaming service, you would need to have um, some sort of device that you would download it on and use it on, um, whether it be like a, you know, a tablet um, or a phone and then, a, you know, something that you hook up to your computer like, a, or excuse me, your television like a, like a Chromecast or something like that where you could, uh, if you're using it on your phone, let's say, that you could uh, stream it from your phone to your television and use it as TV that way. Uh, you know, a tablet. Um, <laughs> Jack, man, we appreciate it. Give us an email um, and keep in touch with us. You know, uh, check it out on, on uh, you, know, do a, you know, do some Internet digging a little bit. You know, some of the bigger ones, uh, Sling, TV, we mentioned Hulu, which now has a streaming uh, or a streaming television service to go with its, you know, original entertainment. Uh, PlayStation View is one. I mean, you're gonna have a PlayStation if you're gonna go with that. I, I believe you have to have the PlayStation. Maybe it's uh, also online without the need of the PlayStation. I'm not sure about that. Uh, Direct TV and YouTube also. Um, uh, Direct TV. You could. I mean, you said you're a Direct TV user. You could probably call DirecTV and ask them about it, and they will get you running in the right direction. Because I'm sure uh, you are one of many people who have um, whose needs for television have changed over time, and you're currently purchasing way too much television for how much you actually use it for. And um, if you call them and talk to them about that, and say that you're tell them that you're interested in a way that you could uh, use. 
you know, one of their streaming services or something like that, they will get you running in the right direction. But stay in touch with us, and we'd love to hear how that works out for you, Jack. We certainly do appreciate it. I have one more suggestion as well, uh, and this is something that uh, we always kind of fall back on when it comes to people in, in areas that we're not familiar with. Ask your neighbors. Find out oh, yeah. what your neighbors do, what kind of Internet connection they have. Are they happy with it? How do they stream their TV? They can help you out more than we can because they're in your region and they've already got some experience doing it, possibly. And that might help you uh, cut out some of the hard work. Especially if a neighbor has a teenager. Because I oh, will yeah. tell you right now, they if they have a teenager, they're plugged in somewhere. There's <laughs> no doubt. knows something. Yes. No, knows something. No doubt about it. All right, let me ask you guys, uh, before we take a break here, uh, so, like, if you go uh, online, let's say you go to Craigslist or something like that, or uh, let's say Facebook Marketplace or something uh, to that end, you see a lot of advertisements placed for um, things like uh, 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 Kindle sticks, Chromecast that are Stream that have all the latest movies. Yes, it has download for free. And, yeah, millions yeah, of illegal. channels and things totally like that. Illegal. All right, so yeah, t- tell us how we should approach that. If specifically, I mean, if you're a seasoned user, it's one thing, and you kind of know what you're already digging into. But if you're a person who sees that and you've never dealt with anything like this before, how do you approach this? Okay. So when you're reading about these things, they're going to talk about the services that you have to sign up for and pay for. And one of those services is going to be a virtual private network, a.k.a. a VPN. The reason that they want you to subscribe to that service is because it will mask your connection, your location. So uh, the illegal service that you are uh, subscribing to can illegally send you information without anyone being able to track down who you are. Notice I've used the word illegal a few different times here because streaming these things is illegal. This is not a free service. There is no one out there that can offer this uh, that can't also uh, assist you in getting put behind bars, which is why you have to obscure your identity when you do these things. No, they're not good deals. No, they're not legit. And if you Google you can find out how to load those utilities onto your own fire stick and do it yourself without having to buy one from somebody who literally just did the same thing. Illegally. Legally. (laughs) (laughs) I just kind of had to throw that in there. Um, Yeah, but the only uh, free TV you can really get out there involves the, uh, the HD antennas you can put onto your TV. And there actually are quite a few channels out there. So just, you know, just thinking, but... Those are interesting too. The HD antennas you got to you got to figure out where you are in yes. in relation to what television market you're in, how far away you are, and you got to you got to buy the right power antenna. Yes, and you have to find the right place on your house to direct it to where the antennas are. Look, I live I live in the near suburbs of Jackson, and I've bought an HD antenna a couple of times, and I. No matter, no matter where I put it, I'm still hit and miss. So it's because I haven't gone in and just bought the the the, the big bad trucker uh, mm-hmm. thing and just you know dumped it onto the side of my house uh, so the HOA could get all flustered and whatnot. But you got you that's that's something that more often than not, and especially depending on how close to you know whatever television market you're in, that is 
something that you'll have to kind of play around with before yep. you get it just right. And you might have to make a couple of purchases, unfortunately, unless you know somebody, have a friend, or like y'all were saying earlier, some people around you have already experimented with that and have the answer. Then you can go get that information from them. But uh, uh, that's and, – and by the way, if you see a television antenna that says HD, that doesn't mean anything. Exactly. Every television signal is HD. So that's like saying uh, – Breathable air. Well, yep. It's all breathable. Wet water. Yes, indeed. All right. We, uh, it looks like we've got some full phone lines, so I'm going to stop yapping. We're going to get this break out of the way, come back and talk to you on the phones. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 If you get a busy signal, keep on working. We'll get to you as fast as we can. Cord cutting is what we're talking about today. How are you doing that? This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio, and we're going to get right back into it. We've got full phone lines here, so for the four folks uh, hanging on, we're going to work through you and get to everybody as fast as we can. Be patient with us. Uh, we're going to start with Linda in Port Gibson. Oh, excuse me. We're going to start with Margaret Ann from Tennessee. Wants to talk about her iPhone. Margaret Ann, welcome in. How are you? Hi. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for your show. Um, just very quickly. We have an older version of the Apple iPhone. It's from, we got it in December 2012. I have the 4S and my husband has the 4. And um, we're hoping Santa Claus will bring us a new one this year <laughs> yep, <laughs> before yep. it starts stops being supported. But um, I know you can get the latest, greatest, but do you guys, like at this point in time, have any, like, a version that would be good just for reliable Internet and you know, for emergencies and email and, and you know, Safari, all that. Um, do you just have one off the top of your head that you would recommend? So what could keep uh, them in the game without going all the way to the front door? Yeah, if we're talking just getting you a newer iPhone, uh, the 7 is probably going to be the one that they're giving away for free now, possibly even the 8. Um, either one of those would be more than sufficient. They're going to be bigger than your 4S and your 4 um, mm-hmm. So get ready for a bigger screen, but um, overall, yeah, that's going to be the most uh, the, the easiest transition for you that that doesn't have a bunch of bells and whistles that you're not looking for. Jeremy, what well, are you, uh, guys, both of you, what do you think the functional uh, life cycle is for the seven or the eight? How much longer are we talking about yeah. before you'll need to move off of that eventually? Well, they just updated the iOS, or they just said that they were updating iOS to antiquate the six, and the six came out. Uh, what, 2015, I think? So it's going to be at least four years beyond the life of that fall. So I'd say the seven's probably got at least two more years, so maybe the eight. Um, I still say the seven or the eight would probably be good. I mean, if you've been using a 4S and a 4 since 2012, like those phones are already no longer supported. They don't even run uh, 64-bit uh, processors, so they've, they've been out of the App Store for a while. Yeah. So I'd say you're okay with the 7 or the 8. Mark and Ann, we certainly do appreciate your call this morning. Let's uh, go next to Linda in Port Gibson. Linda, thanks for calling. Good morning. Yes, I have the iPhone 6, and I want to know how long will it be supported. I have the iPhone 6S, and I wanted to know 
uh, I have Zulu, not Zulu, uh, what is that, Hulu, mm-hmm. on my phone, and it came with this, I guess, when, it, when I bought it. Uh, does it require a lot of data to run it, to, to uh, use it? I know it's a streaming service, so... So, yes, yeah, Hulu is going to require uh, a hefty amount of data. You're going to want to be on Wi-Fi when you do that. Your, uh, for your iPhone question, uh, it's going to have at least another year. Uh, since another they discontinued, year? Yes, they, since they basically software updated the 6 into obscurity, the 6S will be next. So I would say probably one more year, and then you won't be able to get any more software updates for that fall. Okay. And by the way, the 6 came out in September of 2014. So, oh, was it 14? Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Little, okay, it's so getting a little years. long in the tooth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's all I have. All right, thank Linda, you, Linda. Yeah, appreciate the call, Linda. Let's uh, stay on the phones. We have David in Mobile. David, uh, thanks for calling this morning. How are you? Well, I'm doing okay. Um, I have a landline, and one day I actually got a the caller ID showed my name and my number on an incoming call. Mm-hmm. Now I've heard of multiple personalities <laughs> disorders, but this is ridiculous. Wait, are you, David? Are you sure you didn't call yourself? I'm quite hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, so uh, you have been a victim of caller ID spoofing. It's yeah. very common, and it's one of these tricks that they use to get people to answer the phone because you're like, well. That's my number. Why would I be calling myself? Let me pick that up. This is weird. And then they got you. Well, I, I'll let the answering machine get it. That's you what go. I do with a lot of that stuff. Uh, and also you'll okay. see a lot of them come up that have, like, numbers that are very similar to yours. Like, they look like they're local numbers, but they're yeah. really out of town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's people oh. pretending and faking. Yeah, if you hear yourself leaving you a message on your answering machine, pick it up, David. You're trying to tell yourself something. <laughs> <laughs> But of course, I reported it to the phone company. But um, you know, but aren't there companies that allow you to fake uh, name and numbers? Isn't there? Didn't I see that something like that on the news a few years ago? It's it's possible. Yes. Uh, still, these are illegal activities that we're talking about here. Uh, so um, you have to be willing to go beyond the scope of the law in order to do it. But yes, there are uh, applications and things that can allow you to do that. Well, I mean, it's a serious problem and all, but it's not without its humorous aspect. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. David, I'm so glad that you can look at it that way. I'll <laughs> I need... take it easy. All right, David. Uh, I need you. some counseling from David when it comes to those uh, robocalls <laughs> and things like that, especially like you said, Wilts, with the, I don't know if they get, they use like Google Voice or something like that, and they sign up for these numbers that are, you know, your area code, and um, mm-hmm. uh, they have similar looking prefixes to yours and things like that. It is frustrating, especially when, you know, let's say you're waiting uh, for a call from a business or a exactly. doctor's office or something like that, and, and you it's don't know something that doesn't technically show up as any one specific person's number. It's just a number in your area code with a prefix that's similar to yours. And you got to answer all these calls that come in, and then these people keep wanting to talk about my student loans. And I'm like, Jack, I don't have student loans anymore. Yep. You know, well, well what about your home I, warranty? I, it's taken care of. Thanks. I didn't call you about that. It's cool. You know, well, what I've started doing now <laughs> is whenever I answer, if I don't know the number, because of that exact same reason, I may, it may be somebody from work, one of my teammates out there needs some help that I just don't happen to have their number programmed in. I just answer it. Hello, you're on the air. <laughs> and if they're, not that it, you know, if they're not, not legit, helps. they're going to cl- hang up. <laughs> 
Well, not that it helps, but I, I try to ask, like, you know, say the cable company is sending somebody out. Oh, we're going to call you. Uh, well, what number is that going to be coming from? Yeah. They can sort of kind of ballpark that for you. Sometimes they'll be like, oh, it's coming from this exact same number. And then other times they'll be like, we won't be able to tell you what number. Right. But it might help, maybe. Right. Like, I know if you get a call from, let's say, a state agency, like uh, MPB is a state agency, you get numbers that say state of Mississippi uh, as the name, but, you know, you get a, a prefix that's like this building, but, the you know, the, the, the last four numbers could be any of a bunch of different things right, uh, right. that rotate each time somebody could call you from the same phone. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. But I know this, if you get a robocall or something to that degree on an Android phone and you hang up within a specific amount of time from answering the phone, as soon as you hang up, one of the options that'll pop up on your screen is a block. And I have used that liberally in the yeah. last six months, and it blocks that number. There's also a spam reporting thing. That's uh, I think one of my sons put through. my telephone number in a thing that he <laughs> signed up for, a game or something on the Internet, and now I get texts from all the people mm-hmm. uh, telling me about all the things uh, and all the deals. It's, it's, a, it's almost too good to be true, and I have to hit the report spam button. You know. so I also get uh, text messages that are spam yeah. from things. And sometimes you can respond, stop, and they'll leave you alone. But other times I feel like if you respond that, they just know that they've got an active number and they'll just spam you some more. You just really don't know these days what to do. Let's finish it off with Jerry and Ashlyn today. Jerry, thanks so much for calling. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, I cut the cord about two years ago, and what I did was I got a 25-foot antenna mast. And I, I, I got an antenna from Denny's Antennas, and you can find it online. They're very good. Interesting. And, okay. And and uh, you go to a place online called tvpool.com. You put in your address, and that will tell you exactly all the stations and the azimuth to the stations from you. So I have a, a rotator on my antenna. I live in Ashland, which is an hour from nowhere. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing there. But I pick up, I pick up stations in Memphis, in Boonville in Corinth, in Jackson, Tennessee, and out of Oxford, too, depending on where I point my antenna. Yeah. And and the and the, the stations, like if you got the CW, which for me is 30, you got CW 1, 2, and 3, and so you got side channels in addition to the main station. So every station has at least three stations with it. And the HD that you get out, that I get over the air, it's more, it's a better picture than I get from a cable. So, if, if, I mean, I have about maybe between the mast antenna and a rotator and the cable itself. I've got about $200 into it, but that's a one-time charge. It's outside my house, and, and I don't lack for anything. The only thing I don't like, the only thing I lack for is sometimes some sports I can't pick up because the major networks don't cover it. But, you know, I can do without. Certainly. Yeah. over $2,000 a year by doing what I did. And it's free TV. Jerry, man, that's a great way to finish. We're going to follow up on some of those uh, websites you were talking about, see if we can't maybe put links to those in our show uh, episode uh, page and post. And uh, you can find these episodes, uh, Everyday Tech. Uh, we are on Spotify now. You can... Get it on the MPB Public Media app, free in the iTunes and Google Play Store, uh, and uh, all the other places that you download your podcast from. So uh, we would love for you to tune back in with us next week, Wednesday, 10 a.m., Everyday Tech. And coming up next is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart right here on MPB Think Radio.